Well, good morning, everyone. I am uh, blessed to be able to be here. Not only because I have health and and I have a uh, calling, but I also am blessed to be able to be with you all as brothers and sisters. Two weeks ago, we were in New Mexico, and uh, we wanted to go to church on that Sunday morning, so we um, found one. It was a United Methodist Church, and uh, interesting, um, different, but uh, <clears throat> the pastor had a good message. We talked, my wife and I talked about it and said that message could have been preached in one of our churches. In essence, he talked about the power, that, the power of one or the, uh, the fact that you can make a difference. <clears throat> but the, uh, the thing that stands out as me, to me now as so different well, for one thing, we didn't even know them. <clears throat> Pastor's name was Billy, Billy Martin. and uh, <clears throat> But he talked about how there were brothers and sisters. Um, there was probably, in their congregation, I'm going to guess, maybe maybe a dozen people. And um, But today, as I stand before you and as I sit with you, there's just uh, there's a camaraderie that's not... That wasn't there. Not to say they aren't children of God. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that there's something different. So I am. I'm blessed to be here. I feel the difference. And I believe it is because it's the. Uh, it's the whole direction. And it's the whole. It's the whole uh, attitude of. Of wanting to follow Christ. Your brother Myron encourages us very strongly to. Not just take these little phrases that we hear and we go over so soft, so often. That was, that was good, Brother Myron. I, uh, I admit sometimes we do just kind of go over those things and don't really think about what they mean. But, uh, but because I see in your life, I see in your faces, I see in your families, I see a commitment to what the Lord wants to, uh, you to do. So I am, I am very blessed to be here. <clears throat> Well, there's another thing. I'll just share this with you very briefly. There's another thing that makes me feel much more connected with you all than I did with them. There, that whole denomination is, is dealing with this whole, uh, what shall I say? It's called, I don't know if I have the initials right, LGTB or something like that, that whole thing. That their, their denomination is dealing with what do we do with that? <clears throat> I did, I did hear later that they, as a denomination, did reject it, which I was glad about. But um, we don't deal with those things. We know what the truth is. And we're willing to stand on it without question. <clears throat> Again, my wife and I talked about it on the way up here. Just she and I. Our children are all married. They all have families of their own. And uh, some of you, though, it's very obvious. You come to church and... and uh, Probably for some of you, maybe not all of you, it was like rush, rush and get done and get in the car and get here and ah, here we are. So I'd like to this morning, and, and probably by now you have calmed your hearts and every, everything is calm and even now, but I'd like to just take a little bit more time this morning. If we could kneel for prayer and just have prayer together and just give that a time to, to give us a time to just. Okay, Lord, I'm now in your presence. I now want to hear from you. And I call my heart before you to hear what you might have to say in my heart. <clears throat> 
Let's kneel. Father, we kneel down before you. We get in a humble position of our bodies, kneeling before you. We don't do that to anything or anybody else, but we do it to you. And we come, Father, and we pray for your Holy Spirit to come and preside in our hearts this morning. To come and affect us, Lord. To come and make us open our hearts to be able to receive what you have for us. It's what you have for us that we're interested in. So, Father, this morning we thank you that we can come. Thank you for the children that's here. We thank you for the mamas, the papas, the parents, the grandparents. Thank you, Father, for these brothers and sisters that are here. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit has worked in their hearts to draw them to this place at this time. And I pray, Father, for them as they as they go out and do their uh, family and they, they live their life. I pray, Father, you'd give them grace in everything they do. May they be, Father, a testimony and a witness of the power of the Holy Spirit in their in their everyday work life, in their family life, in their church life. I pray, Father, just give them a blessing of your presence. Be with us this morning, Father. Give me words. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Give me sensitivity to you, to your spirit, to all of us here together. I pray for it, Lord. And, and finally, Lord, may your kingdom come. And your will be done this day as it is in heaven. This hour. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you would turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, I would like to talk a bit and share with you a bit of what I, of what the Lord has shared with us. And that's not necessarily me in particular because he has shared it with you too. You have it written down. That's one thing nice about the word of God. I don't have to worry about plagiarism. I don't have to worry about copying somebody because God wants me, wants us. To say, say again and again and again what he has said to us already. That's what he wants. Let me say this first. Back in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, I, I love to, to consider the Old Testament as far as it shows me God's heart. Granted, the New Testament does too. But in the Old Testament, it's very graphic. And it's very picturesque. He says what he does in the Old Testament is it showed to, especially starting with the children of Israel and on back to, but starting with the children of Israel, he shows to us that he does not tolerate sin. He can forgive sin, but he does not tolerate it. He does not, he cannot bring it into his presence and say, oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. You're just a man. You're just a woman. That's not God. That God cannot do that. What God does do is he gives us a way through Jesus Christ to be forgiven. Then, amen, then we can come into his presence and he accepts us. I'm going to read the whole chapter here. 
So let's begin. Colossians chapter 3. Big word at the start. If. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, for Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, into which all ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Hallelujah. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity. Which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. This, This chapter, as I was preparing for this message today, this chapter just kind of I, I prayed, Lord, what shall I speak about? What, what is there that, that should be spoken about? And what should I say? <clears throat> and it seems like he led me to this chapter. I did, not, I did not choose this chapter because I think you all have a major problem. Because I'm going to hit on 
I'm going to work through this chapter and we're going to talk about the things that are in this chapter and how they might apply to us today. I looked at my life, the past. Well, I look at my life this way. I was 19 when I was married. From the time I was married for about another 12 years. My wife and I had an excellent relationship. We grew up the same. My my parents and her parents were friends, good friends. In fact, my mother and father they ran an egg route. They had chickens, and we and they developed a route they could take, and they they take these eggs to the different customers out in town, and and every every I think it's every week they ran this egg route, and I stayed with Ann's parents, so we knew each other well. And the first 12 years of our marriage were beautiful. <clears throat> the next eight years of our marriage, the next eight years, were not that way. I'm going to talk a little bit about selfishness. <clears throat> selfishness. That means feeding myself. That means, that, means, that means giving myself what I want. Or trying to at least get what I want. What my flesh wants. The next eight years were full of selfishness. I'm just going to leave it at that for now. Full of selfishness. And you can imagine what that does to your marriage. Nothing good. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'll leave it at that. It doesn't, it doesn't make for closeness and, and camaraderie and and, you know, unity in a marriage. It doesn't. It, it, it separates. And I become selfish. And so I'd encourage you all, you who are married, just consider, just consider, and I have no idea who you are. You probably all have perfect marriages. I don't know. Maybe you don't. Just consider, if there's a struggle in your marriage, <clears throat> might you be the cause? Might it be because of selfishness? You know, yeah, marriage isn't on, on or the message isn't on marriage and selfishness. But I just say, <clears throat> it's good for us to think about that because <clears throat> it's very, very possible and very, very real and very, very, it's, it's just kind of inherent within us that I want what I want. I was deceived. I was led astray. I was lost. I was selfish. So that was the first 20 years of our marriage. For the next about, I don't know, 10 or 12. uh, Well, I'll say it this way. From there on up till today, I have a wonderful marriage. I love my wife. She loves me. And we... um, we have a beautiful relationship. It has to do with, as we talked about this morning in our, in our Bible lesson, has to do with repentance. And we didn't talk about it, but it also has to do with forgiveness. <clears throat> Two very key, vital things in a Christian's life. If you want to have happiness, if you want to get over what you're dealing with, if you want to be free, two things. It's going to have to happen. There'd be more than that. But I'll just leave it to those two things. You're going to have to repent and you're going to have to forgive. 
And if you can do that, your marriage, your church, your relationships will be blessed. Also, I look back in the last nine years of my life. I'll use nine. That's close. I look back at my life and I say, where did they go? I'm 62. I'm 62 years old. I can't hardly believe it. I remember when I was 52. Very easily. I mean, where'd they go? One thing that'll make life go fast for you. No, I should say it this way. One thing that'll make the years disappear for you. And you'll wonder where they went. Based on the fact that I believe every one of you want to live your life for God. And do something for Him. And be a benefit in His kingdom. Based on that fact. What will happen? What can happen? And I admit, I, I, I'll just admit it. In my life, what happened to me was those last, these last nine years, have, they've just disappeared. It seemed like I suddenly woke up a week or two or three ago, whatever it was, and said, how did I get to be this age? I, I'll tell you what happened. I could use the word selfish, but I'm going to use the words. I, I was self-centered. You know, my world revolved around me. And that, that's, that's, that's a horrible thing to happen. Because suddenly, all of a sudden, if your world revolves around you, then you're just looking here. And you're just looking at yourself. And all the things that's happening to you. And all the things that's, that's going on. And, and you become fairly useless. In the kingdom of God. Not totally. Which can be pretty useless. <clears throat> so what I'm saying to you. I say to myself. And I said to myself. Lord this needs to change. This needs to change. <clears throat> so by the grace of God. I am, I am putting my. Putting my effort into change. That I won't be self-centered. I think there's a brother one time. He gave the illustration of this. He said. The Christian's life should be. God in the center. And everything revolves around him. And his ways. That's the way it should be. But it's pretty easy. For me to become the center. And everything revolves around me. God's in there. He's, He's part of my life. But he's not center. If ye then be risen with Christ, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Seek those things that are godly. Seek those things that that are uh, make your give your that you can. How do I say it? That you can seek those things that that God can use, and you can you can give those things back to God. Because again, God is the center. If ye then be risen with Christ. If ye then be born again. If ye then have accepted Christ as your Savior. And as your Lord. If ye then have done this. 
Seek those things which are above. Now, I want to say this, too. I see grace as a platform. I see grace as it is by the grace of God that we are saved through faith. But it's by the grace of God. And, and when I step onto that platform of grace, that grace, I have to stay on that platform. I have to stay there. I step, but I step on that, and God gives me power to overcome sin. God gives me power to walk in His ways and do what He wants me to do. And the, 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 the closer I go to Him, the closer I go to the center of that platform, the farther it is that I can step off. So I see grace. I want to say this. It is grace that I am saved. It is by grace, it is by the Holy Spirit of God that you are kept out of sin and away and free from sin. It is by His grace. But you have something to do. We all know that. I don't, I don't need to justify that. It's just a fact. I did want to say this because I'm going to talk a lot here in this chapter. He talks a lot about what you have to do. Put off and put on. Do this, don't do that. Stay away from this. Do this. Do that. But I want to emphasize, and I think, I think, I think Paul, I know he would agree with me. He says, by grace are you saved through faith. So I have to step on that platform. And I can stay there. And by that then, I need to stay there. I step off of it. You know, when I, when I commit a sin, or you commit a sin, it's not by the grace of God. It's not because you were standing in His grace and He was giving you power. It's because you stepped out of that grace. <clears throat> so we have, we have a responsibility. We all do. And He goes on and says, Set your affection on things on above and not on things of the earth. Set your affections. What do you like to do? What are your affections? Could you honestly say, I think you can, but I'll ask it. Can you honestly say to God, you are my highest affection. Affection. You are the thing I love the most. You are the greatest desire I have. Oh, just to be like you. That's all I want. That's all I want. That's what he says. Set your affection on things above. Set your affection on things of God. Things God wants you to be in. God wants you to do. God wants you to think. God wants you to be. Set your affections there. <clears throat> life is pretty busy. It's, it's just pretty amazing how busy life is. Maybe even too busy. Maybe. 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 Could it be that possibly that, that life is so busy because we love life. We like uh, life. We, we like what, what is our lot to do. We like our invitations. We like our activities. We like our, our, our work. We like those things. But where are your affections? Where is your affection? You know your highest affection. Ask yourself that. Go home tonight. Get up tomorrow morning in your quiet time and say, Lord, are you really the highest thing of my life? Do I really? Are you really the number one priority? Yeah, we say, and, and it's right. We say, yes, all my life is based on the truth. Yeah, I, 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 I believe as far as I know, I'm walking in all the light that I have. I'm walking in truth. 
That's the fact. I don't doubt any of that. But I, I like to ask myself, but Mark, while I live, I, I'm honest and, I, and I'm caring, I'm sharing, I'm whatever else I am, all based on the Word of God, but what is my greatest love? What, are, what is my, have I set my affection on things above? Not on things on the earth. He says, For ye are dead. Ye are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. If you have risen, been risen with Christ, you are dead. <clears throat> when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, and I look upon His face, the one who saved me by His grace. <clears throat> Ask yourself, young people, uh, not just you, but, but you're in your prime and you've got the world, the, 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 your life is ahead of you. It's out there, the horizon is beyond, it's, just, it's over there somewhere. You can't even see where it is. You have a lot of hopes, you have a lot of visions, you have a lot of plans, you might have those things, but, but you don't consider... I mean, I look at my life, again, I'm 62, and I don't know how many more years I have. Arlen Detweiler just passed away, and he was 56 or something like that. He didn't expect that. I don't have that. I mean, I, I'm at the place where I'm beginning to look, you know, there is an end. You young people, you should look at it this way some, but you probably don't. I didn't. It's like the life is ahead of you. What do you want to do with life? And it's just, it's just like, there it is. What can I do? What shall I do? <clears throat> but you know, it's, gonna, it's going to sometime. We all know this. Sometime. Every one of us. Have you thought about this? Every one of you. Every single one of you. If it goes like it has in the past. Well, I don't know if you'll be here or not. You'll lay in this coffin right up here. Your body will. Every one of you. And I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know where you're going to go when you die. I, I have my ideas, but there would be differences of opinion. I'm not promoting that. But sometime, at that point or before that point, you're going to meet your Lord. You're going to meet your Lord. You're going to meet your Lord. <clears throat> now, when I say meet your Lord, I'm not necessarily saying, I'd like to think you all meet Jesus Christ. But you know, there's another Lord out there, a little L, that is also has control of people. <clears throat> Paul goes on, Mortify therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Those people who do those things are disobedient. And the wrath of God comes on them. Now, <clears throat> I told a man one time, he was a Muslim and I didn't know much about Islam then. I told him that... <clears throat> 
that he wasn't happy where he was. You're not happy. You don't know. You're not happy. He said, that's not true. I am happy. I am. I am just. And he got pretty upset. And those those brothers that were with me there, there was in Portland, Oregon. I think or Eugene, I forget where it was. They said, I thought he was going to hit you. <clears throat> well, he didn't. <clears throat> what I'm trying to say with that is, you know, we, we think these things here will make people unhappy. In their flesh, it doesn't really. In their flesh. Now, they don't know what true joy is. They don't know what the Spirit of God in them and the, and the fact that they know they're a sinner and they've been forgiven. And now they know they're going to heaven. They don't know that kind of joy. But they know. They know what happiness is. So these things right here. These things he's talked about. And there's other things we'll, we'll get into a little bit. These things. <clears throat> you may say they're not happy. Well, they may be. My point is this. They don't know the joy that you know. But he says, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In other words, someday, someday, they will understand what the wrath of God is. <clears throat> and none of us want to know that. We know that God is able to destroy all things and, and he is righteous altogether. And, and there will be a day when he'll say either to you, well done. Or he'll say, depart from me. <clears throat> Verse 7 says, In which ye also sometime walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these. Now it feels to me like he's coming back to, to us. We, we're, not, we're not involved in these other things down here. I, I hope not. But these things, he's come to anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. Seeing you have done these things, but put on the new man. Now I want to talk a little bit about wrath and anger. I guess it's said the other way around here, isn't it? Uh, let's see here. Anger and wrath. <clears throat> to me, I don't know if this is a good description or not. But it's what came to me. <clears throat> Anger Anger is something that rises up within you. And it's just something that, that you don't like. And you, uh, maybe you've never experienced it, but I have. Uh, I've, I've experienced that, that anger when things didn't go the way they should have. And it just, it just makes you upset. That's a nice way to say it. Wrath is... And again, I'm just putting this in my words. Wrath is something where you, you, it, you become um, uh, defensive. You you do something. It's when you actually, when you actually take a hold of something, or you hit something, or hit somebody, or whatever it might be. That to me seems like wrath. That is something coming out of you that that you 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 throw it on somebody else or something else. Maybe there's not a need to make the difference there. But I just, I just thought, you know, even we may think wrath is something that the person just out of control and he just, whatever he does, he just does it. 
Anger is maybe not quite as bad as wrath, but it's still listed. You know, anger can be as anger can be as little as impatience. It starts somewhere. Anger and wrath start somewhere. The question is, where does it start? And I'd, I'd like us to think that we are sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit that when it starts, that at that, that the very start of sin, we're sensitive to it. So therefore, impatience. Just simply, impatient is the, is the beginning of anger and on into wrath. <clears throat> and I could go on here. I, I don't think I'm going to go through all these. Malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. I, we know we don't we don't any of us do that. <clears throat> but just ask yourself, was what I said good? Is the way I talk good? Is it okay if Jesus hears me say those things? Does he see into my heart and see why I'm saying these things? Yes, he does. Is it good? Everything I say. You know, he says filthy communication. And again, I'm going to say, where does it start? Where does filthy communication start? Is is just a little bit of backbiting or, or, or gossip? Is that filthy communication? It's the start of it. It's the start of it. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Don't be deceptive. You know... <clears throat> I have before, and I don't know if you have or not, but I have before. I have purposely let somebody believe that I was something that I wasn't. <clears throat> I think that's lying one to another. That's telling them I'm this way, but I'm not really. Lie not one to another. And of course, don't say... Uh, you are a certain thing. To actually lie usually means you say something. You actually tell the untruth. <clears throat> lie not one to another. Be careful of the words you say about yourself. It's awful easy to speak well of yourself. Or at least be careful with what you say so it doesn't reveal anything too much. That's awful easy. <clears throat> and then he goes on and put on the new man. Which is renewed by the knowledge of Him that created you. He's renewed after the image, in knowledge, after the image of Him that created you. Or him. Where God is no respecter of persons. He's not. Bless the Lord. You know, <clears throat> I don't know, I don't know you here. Some of us were, have a, what we call an Anabaptist heritage. Some of you probably don't. <clears throat> I'll, I'll, I'll be real honest with you. I think it's pretty easy for us who have the Anabaptist heritage to think we have the edge on things. That's not right. We have been learned. We have learned a few things. We have, and we thank God for what our parents taught us. No, no doubt about that. And I, I thank my parents many times. They're 90. Daddy's 89 or 90 right now. Mother's 86 or 7. <clears throat> And I thank them many times we go back. They live in Ohio. We go back and we tell them, thank you for what you taught us. Not every time. We've told them that before. What I think, Paul, is what I'd like to impress upon us here is that every single one of us have the same opportunity to repent, 
and believe the gospel and be saved to eternal life. <clears throat> That's not to say that we as as parents now, we told we told other people before, <clears throat> if you were, didn't have this this teaching when you were young and they feel a little bit like we can't help it. But that's just the way we are. We say that's right. But you can stop and break the chain right now and you can start right here and give your children something. You can start right now and do it. It's hard to do. Can be done. <clears throat> he goes on, he says, and put on the new man. He said, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Bowels of mercies. That means just your heart of mercy. Full of mercy. That's that has impressed me over the years as I've watched. I've watched men. I've watched men, men, good leadership in men. Those men that that God uses are full of mercy. They would they would just they have mercy for running out all over them. They're also they also have the have the clarity to know it needs to stop here. Mercy doesn't justify sin. Mercy simply allows for the possibility of, of change, I guess the right way to say it. Mercy allows for the possibility of change. It's pretty easy sometimes to be unmerciful. And when we're that way, it's like, <clears throat> nope, time to cut it off. You're done. You aren't going to change. Period. <clears throat> this says, put on the new man, put on therefore as the elect of God, heart of mercies. That bows me, that's the inner depth of things. That's what that, that's what that means. And so I say, this is what Paul is saying to us. Put on therefore a heart of mercy. Just, just have a heart of mercy. Now, we may say sometimes to somebody, well, he is a mercy. He had, uh, you know, he just always wants to have mercy. And we have somebody else, so they're a, uh, What's the other thing? Law or whatever else. They, they, want, to, they want to lay it down. Well, <clears throat> there's a place for both. And that's one benefit and blessing of the church the way it is. We have men who, who tend to go on the mercy side. We have men who tend to go on the law side. Tend to say, nope, we're going to cut it off right now. That's a blessing of, of having a brotherhood together. We can work together. Come up, come up with the, the right mixture. Kindness. Humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering. <clears throat> Put those things on. Kindness. On, my, on our blackboard at home, my wife has written, I, she got it out of Keepers at Home magazine, I think. Somebody said, Always be kinder than seems necessary. Always be kinder than seems necessary. It doesn't seem necessary to be that kind or that way. Just. Uh, that much? Yeah. Always be kinder than seems necessary. <clears throat> Humbleness of mind. My, my. How many times have I looked at my life and said, Mark, you're a proud man. You're a proud man. You just simply have pride. And that's why you do what you do. That's why you feel the way you feel. That's why you say the things you say. I've looked at my life and said, Mark, you're a proud man. Humbleness of mind, meekness and long suffering. 
looking at that little list there. Well, we'll go on here a bit. Meekness. Long-suffering. Bearing with. Forgiving one another. Forbearing one another. Forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave, so also do ye. Forgive. Forbearing. Forgiving. I said earlier, there's two things at work in life. And sometimes we forget these things. Let me say this. And just throw it out food for thought for you. Maybe especially you brothers. We've developed because of our society and our intellect. And the length of time we've worked with things. We begin to learn a few things. We've developed a, I'll say, quote, need for counseling. Now, I'm not saying there is no need for counseling. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying somebody doesn't need to be guided along a little bit. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, I, I would venture to say that almost... I won't say that. I venture to say, if that person could either forgive or repent, it'd it, it take away a lot of the need of counseling. And again, I'm not saying there's not a need. But that's where we want to go. All, all the, and I've been blessed because we've dealt with a couple of counseling centers lately. And uh, that's their focus. They need to repent. They need to forgive. <clears throat> and that's not just for those of us who need counseling. That's for all of us. Repentance and forgiveness work. And he says, Forget, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. Even as Christ forgave, so also do ye. How would you like it if Christ said, well, I can forgive almost all of your sins, but that one right there, that's pretty bad. <clears throat> no, he said, I forgive them all. If you'll come to me in an attitude of broken-hearted repentance, I'll forgive them all, and you can come into my presence. You can have me. I will dwell with you. And he says, above all these things, put on charity. Hallelujah. Put on charity. You know, that, that heart that is loving, that heart that's caring, that heart that's sympathizing, that heart that's empathizing, that kind of a heart, that, <clears throat> that heart of charity. You just, you care. It's not just, I love you, brothers. I do. But I care about you. That kind of, that's what I mean when he talks about charity. It's more of a I care thing. <clears throat> and you know, you can tell when somebody cares. If you haven't, you're, you're walking through something, you're struggling with something, or you have some difficulties in some way. You know, you know the church cares. But you can tell when the brother that comes, or the sister that comes, you can tell when they care. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? No? Yeah, <clears throat> there's a difference because <clears throat> there's <clears throat> we're only we're only one, so we can only do so much. We'd like to do more, but we we have situations where we'd like to be able to help them more, but we just for whatever reason we can't or we don't, and they can tell how much we care, because the fact of the matter is, you have time for what you want to have time for. You'll put in your heart. You'll let that your heart enlarge to well, however large it needs to be to encircle and encompass all the cares that you want to. 
If you look at your neighbor and say, I don't really care, or you look at whatever it may be, the other person say, say well, I, 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 I'd like to care more. <clears throat> I'm just saying, above all these things, he says, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, which to me says, which is the, 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 the way of perfection. When you are, are, have on charity, which is a bond of perfection. That means that it brings us together, brings me with charity, and it makes, me, it makes a bond that is perfect. It makes me perfect in charity. <clears throat> and he says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The peace of God rule. So how do I let the peace of God rule? You know, I tend to think, or I've, I've, I've thought in the past, that when I have done and I have repented and I have accepted and I have rested in Christ, I have faith, that all of a sudden now, now the peace of God settles on me. And there's truth in that. But I'd like to suggest something a little bit more, a little bit different than that. To let the peace of God rule means I have to make a decision that I'm going to let everything go. Worry not about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of the things of itself. That's what Jesus said. There's sufficient unto the day as the evil thereof. But to just let the peace of God rule, it's a decision I need to make that says, okay, the peace of God. He'll take care of it. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten your situation. He, hasn't, he has not forgotten you. And, if you can, and He wants you to just rest in Him. Just lay that down. Okay. Whether it's whatever it may be. <clears throat> I do that almost continuously in my business. I, I, I hope the work keeps coming and, and he buys that table and other than hope to keep selling and, and those kinds of things. And, and I have to continue to say, Mark, like Gary Miller said, it's not your business. It's not your business. I do. I, I do that at work. I'll, I'll just. I have to. I have to do that. I say, okay, Mark. We we still do what we need to do. We still make the calls and those kind of things. But <clears throat> I have to continue to lay that down and say, okay, this is not my business. It's God's, and He can do with it what He wants. Or you sisters in the home, <clears throat> even our children, not just you sisters, you, you fathers too. <clears throat> we do what we know to do. But we lay them down and say, Lord, they are yours. They really are. I'm giving them to you. I'll do all I can do. Help me, Lord. You know what that feels like to just simply take a deep breath and just simply go to sleep. That's what he wants of us. <clears throat> Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which you also are called in one body. As a body, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, in your body, in your church. And be thankful. Isn't that, isn't that an interesting combination of words? An interesting formula he gives us there. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts and be thankful for it. That's a good way to keep the peace of God there. Be thankful. <clears throat> 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I like to think of that word grace as power. When I step onto that platform I talked about earlier, that's stepping into power. Now I have power. God gives me power to overcome sin. Singing with power in your hearts. Because you know how it is. The person that, you know, if a person really believes something, you can tell they believe it. You, you talk to the salesman, he believes in his product, and it's clear. I mean, there's no other choice. Why not? There's no reason not to. This is the product you should buy, because here's why. And he has all the reasons. <clears throat> That's the way it is with us, too. Or we can be. That we can, we can do all these things. Teach, admonish, uh, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, all with grace, with power in your heart. Because you know it's true, and you know it's the best. And you've got something that you, you can't get any more than what that is. It is the ultimate and the, the, most, the, the, the highest of things you can have. That is that power of God in your heart, in your life. <clears throat> and he says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily. Do it, do all, do, in, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Whatsoever you do in word or deed... So, if ye then be risen, whatsoever ye do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus with your heart. It says in other places that do it heartily as to the Lord. Um, <clears throat> whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, to God and the Father by Him. Wives, if ye then be risen, submit yourselves to your husbands. Husbands, if ye then be risen... Love your wives. And you know, we would say, well, we would not be bitter against them. But be careful. Husbands, love your wives. In other words, while they are to submit to you, so are you to give them due benevolence. And if you can give them due benevolence, you can give them what they deserve, I think you'll, you'll, you'll deal with bitterness. You won't have to deal with that. <clears throat> If you then be risen with Christ, children, and I and we're all children in some to some in some to some extent, let me say to you, to you younger ones, you have you you have accepted the Lord. You have said, Yes, I will follow him. God says, Children, obey your parents. This is well pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. <clears throat> I'm gonna give a little definition to that one too. I have seen, and maybe you have too, I hope you haven't, but I have seen children become angry because of the hypocrisy of a father. <clears throat> that can provoke them to anger. <clears throat> I, just, I just encourage you, fathers, mothers, Mark, and. Be who you say you are. Don't be a hypocrite. It's far better to come out in the open and say, this is really who I am. And even as bad as it may be, far better to do that than it is to hide it. Because someday, Jesus said, it will be preached from the housetops. Who you are. Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in singleness of, singleness of heart, 
fearing God. <clears throat> I have a young man working for me that I could not ask for a better worker. And he loves the Lord. And that's the difference. I have several of them. And I'm not saying they all do. They all love the Lord. They're all good, good servants. But there is a, there is a clear difference between the young man and the man who says, I'm doing this for Christ. When I obey my, my boss, I am doing it for Christ. It's like obeying Christ. It makes a difference. So I encourage us. We're servants. We're all servants. We all serve somebody. If we own the business, we serve the customer. If we work for the, for the, the employer, we serve the employer. If we're the employee. But we all serve somebody. I encourage us. <clears throat> do it as you're doing it to Jesus. Now, and we know that Jesus knows everything. So, if I, if I shirk on my duty, if I just kind of, oh, I'm tired today, and just kind of plod through my day, is that the way you'd want, is that the way Jesus would want you to do? I just encourage you, be very diligent in your labors. Be diligent. <clears throat> it's, it's not, it's not a, it is a very, and I'm going to say this, it's a very spiritual thing to give your boss a full, diligent eight hours of labor in a day. That's a spiritual thing. A spiritual man. It takes a spiritual man to do that kind of thing. To give it as if he's giving it to the Lord Jesus. To do that. <clears throat> it's not just spiritual to get up in the morning and have quiet time. It's not just spiritual to read your Bible. It's not just spiritual to sing the songs. Spirituality is played out in everyday life. That's when we see the real true spirituality. <clears throat> Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. I like to think that what I give to my fellow man what I give to my wife, what I give to my children, what I give to my customers, what I give to my employer. <clears throat> what I give to them is just like I'm giving it to the Lord. <clears throat> I want to emphasize again and then I want to go to here. I want to emphasize again. <clears throat> that is by grace we are saved. It is by the power of God. That we are able to do the things we do righteously, right in righteousness. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> I say that and then I'll say this. There are men who do things that's pretty amazing what they do. Disciplined men. Men who have trained themselves and disciplined themselves to be something that... You, you stand back and marvel, how do they do that? <clears throat> <clears throat> There's men that do that. I have a list of ten things here I'd like to give to you. <clears throat> that have a lot to do with that. Have a lot to do with the fact that you can discipline yourself. And you can, I mean, <clears throat> I haven't seen very much. But some of the things men do with their bodies, it's just downright amazing. In the sports arena, in the, in the Olympic field, wherever it is, the things they do, it's, it's, it's tremendous. Because they've disciplined themselves. They've been, I would, I would dare say, they have disciplined themselves. I hope not. 
very possibly to a far greater extent for an earthly reward than we do for a heavenly reward. <clears throat> you want to you want to win a gold medal in heaven? You've got to discipline yourself because there's lots of competition. There's lots of things out there. There's lots of lots of competition out there that want to make you fail. There's lots of competition. You discipline yourself to win the gold. You're not going for the silver and you're not going for the bronze. That's not good enough. You're going for the gold. And it takes a lot of discipline. Number one, <clears throat> start your day with a task completed. <clears throat> Illustration I'll give you is this. <laughs> I, I don't do this. <laughs> my wife does. But <clears throat> I get up before she does. And so when I come in from my quiet time, she's up and she's got the bed made and all that. But make your bed. Or something in your start of your day. Do something that you accomplish something. Every day you accomplish something in the first part of your day. You accomplish it. It's a good thing to do. <clears throat> Maybe it's even just simply setting aside time. Men, many of you, maybe more than the ladies and mothers, can, can get up a little earlier and have your quiet time. And maybe you do already, I don't know. Have quiet time. Do something in your day that you accomplish something. <clears throat> One thing about making your bed. You make your bed and you have a bad day. Well, if you make your bed in the morning, at least you come back to bed and it's a nice made bed. At least that's organized. At least that's, 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 a, that's not a mess. <clears throat> make your bed. As a principle. Now, I'm not saying you have to make your bed. Whatever you want to do there. But I, I'd suggest it, actually. I, I, I dearly love the way my wife takes care of things like that. She just, she makes the bed. That's the way she likes to do things. That's the way she does things. But, <clears throat> number one, start your day off with a task completed. <clears throat> number two, find someone to help you through life. Make a friend or friends. Now, in, in our spiritual world, in our church world, and I'm, I'm saying, yeah, we have the church. I'm suggesting to you that there's something, there's some value in me or you having somebody that can help you through life. Just simply, they walk with you. You, you relate to them and maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your wife. But find someone to, to walk with you, help you through life. It's a good thing. <clears throat> Number three, I mean, it, it, Jesus, the, the scriptures will talk about, they talk about just simply uh, brothers and, and the church. They talk about having, having a comrade or, a, uh, you know, having relationships with others. <clears throat> Number three, respect everyone. Respect everyone. Uh, Paul tells us. That in God there is no, God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't respect one above another. That's what that means. It doesn't say he doesn't respect anybody. He doesn't respect one above another. Respect everyone. Everyone deserves some respect. <clears throat> Just like you like to be respected. Give them that respect. Number four. Life is not always fair. That's true, isn't it? Life is not always fair. But who determines what fair is? 
God does, not us. God determines what's fair. Life is not always fair. And that's okay. Life's not always fair. And that's okay. That's okay. It doesn't have to be fair. It doesn't have to be. God says, I can make everything work out together for good. Number five. I don't know if this one needs some qualification or not. I'm going to say it. Don't be afraid to fail. Often. Don't be afraid to fail. To be afraid to fail is to, is to, probably you're not going to learn very much in life, really. If you're always afraid if you do something, you're going to fail, you're probably not going to be very useful. You're probably not going to learn very much. You will learn things, but... I've heard that certain parts of the, 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 the armed forces, certain divisions of it, they have, they have certain very rigid requirements for some of those men. All those men in this division, whatever it is. I've heard this. And if you fail in some of those requirements, your name's put on the list. And at the end of the day, you do, I don't know what it is, some kind of rigor of some sort of calisthenics or whatever it is for two hours. You failed this thing. At the end of the day, you do two hours of exercises. You know what that'll do? It'll make you stronger. And then you won't fail as often. <clears throat> so don't be afraid to fail. Go ahead. Go ahead. You may think you failed, but the fact that you tried makes it not a failure. <clears throat> we used to live in Idaho. Little church out there. That church is no longer. Not, not of the same. And I don't think the, I don't think any of the, the brothers and sisters are still there. Brother Denny told me one time, he said, Brother Mark, I, I suppose you probably think you failed. He said, you didn't fail. You learned what didn't work. You learned something. You didn't fail. You learn something. You're learning. Every time you try to do something, whether you fail or you succeed, you learn something. So failure or to not be able to complete a task doesn't mean that you failed. Don't be afraid to fail. And number six, this one right here also may be a bit, a bit, uh, I don't know if it's on the carnal side or not. I'll say it. Take risks. Take risks. In other words, Brother Myron talked about it earlier. He talked about evangelism. Take risks. You know, again, and you can do this on the don't be afraid to fail too. But sometimes, <clears throat> well, let me give you a little example. There's an obstacle course that men go through and they try to Try to get through it in the best time possible. <clears throat> and one one part of this obstacle course is 
do I understand it? There's a couple cables. And I don't know how long it is. I think it's 30 feet high at this end and 10 feet at this end, I think. And they have to, they go through all these obstacles, climbing over things and running and things like that. And and one is this cables. It's two cables. I don't know how far apart they are. But you have to go down these cables. <clears throat> and for most of the men, they go down hanging from them, just hand over hand over hand over hand, and just go down like that. But this one man decided he was going to do it fast. He was going to beat that record. And he went down, they hung from him. He went down on top of them somehow. I don't understand it. He went down on top of them and got, got down way faster than hand over hand. So sometimes you need to go down head first. That's what he did. You get the point? The point is, it may look like, I don't know if this will work or not. I don't know. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about carnality. I'm not talking about that. You could apply it there, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in our, in our walk with each other, in our walk with God, in our spiritual walk. Sometimes you just need to say, I'm going to do it. And you know, it's like Brother Meyer was talking. What about these phrases we say? I forget what they were now that we do. Maybe we need to take a risk and just do it. We need to go down head first. Nobody else is doing it. We don't think so. But we're going to do it. We're going to go down head first. Sometimes you need to do that. <clears throat> Number seven. Face down the opposition. In other words... You're going you're gonna to say, I want to be this, do this, don't do this, whatever it is. I want to I do something for God. I want to I be this certain way. <clears throat> and you receive, then there's something that tells you, well, wait a minute. What about this? And what about that? And, oh, you better not. Might This might happen. They might think this of you. I'm, I'm suggesting to you that you say, if this is what God is calling to me, I'm going to go ahead and do it, regardless of what they say. Now, I realize there's a place for wisdom. If your elders or your older men in your church say, I don't know about that, I'm not sure, it'd be time, it's time to take, take note of that. You should be aware of that. <clears throat> but sometimes you just simply need to face down the opposition and do it. Because the opposition, other than God, the opposition, many times the opposition is many times ourself or fear. You face it down. <clears throat> Number eight, <clears throat> this shows you what you really are. <clears throat> step up when times are the toughest. That means go ahead and step up. Just do it. <clears throat> Whatever it is. You know, there's, there's the story of the mountain climber as they, they climb Mount Everest. Uh, and I, I don't know. That may be a bit foolish. I don't know. It probably is. But they do it. But I think we can apply that, that principle in our spiritual lives too. You know, when times are the toughest, it really shows who we really are. Who we really are. And I don't mean that to be discouraging. It, it, I can see how it could be discouraging. But I don't mean it that way. I mean just simply, so when we, when we have a tough time and there's something going on or whatever, the thing to do is analyze how you responded what you did, what you didn't do, and say, did I pass or did I fail? Did I reach the height or did I fall down? <clears throat> it's when the times are the toughest. It's when you find out where our true strength is. Go ahead. 
step up. <clears throat> Number nine, I got one more. I got ten of them. Number nine, <clears throat> give hope. Lift up the downtrodden. Give hope. That will do more for you than what you, what you know if you haven't ever done it. If you say to a brother or a sister, you know, I believe you can do it. Let's do this. Let's don't do that. Let's whatever. I believe that you can do it. I believe you can. I believe you can. And mean it. <clears throat> the opposite of that is, I don't, I don't, I doubt if you can. I, I, I wouldn't try to advise you. I, you're not strong enough or you're not big enough or you're not able. You, you can't do that. Uh, yeah, that's right. You're, you're down there already. You might as well just stay down because there's no point in getting up. You can get knocked down again. What's that do? As compared to, come on, I'll help you out. Let's go together. We can do it. You can do it. <clears throat> and number 10, and you probably already figured this one out. Never give up. Never give up. That's what the devil wants you to do. But God says, I am in control of all things. And my power is stronger than any other power on earth. And I can, if you will let me, if you'll step onto this platform of grace, I will give you the power to do what you need to do. Never, 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 never give up. Never give up. I've experienced in my life before things that I gave up on. And it was the wrong thing to do. It was sin. I can't do that. Forget it. I'm saying to you, by the grace of God, by the power of God, as you step up on that platform of grace, and you can just, when you do that, you have power. Never give up. Never, never, never quit. You know, you've heard the children say, quitters never win. It's true. Quitters never win. <clears throat> never give up. <clears throat> to the born again Christian, to the young man, to the young lady, to the older man, to the older lady, that born again, these things that God asks of us are no longer, if we will walk with Him, are no longer commands. They're promises. I think John Wesley said it this way. He said, The sinner's commandment becomes the saint's promise. In other words, what Jesus said to do, it's a promise you will do. The, sinner, the, the sinner's commandment becomes the saint's promise. And I say to you, as you read, as we've gone through all some of these things here, and some of those things, you know, they're not easy to do, and sometimes it's awful tempting to, for discouragement or whatever it is. <clears throat> Remember, <clears throat> God says, if you will, if you will follow me, uh, He said in the Old Testament many times, if you'll just trust me, I'll give you the victory. If you'll just, I'll, I'll send the hornets and the, and, the, and the famine and the pestilence and I'll drive the enemy out. I'll do that. You just trust me. <clears throat> what he's saying is, 
if you'll trust me, these commandments I give you will be promises. He said, go in and drive out the Canaanites. Drive out sin out of your land, out of your heart. Drive it out. Drive it out. I'll do it for you. You just trust me. I don't want that in your life. I don't want sin in your life. I don't want any Canaanites left in the land. But he said, the amazing thing is, and I, I marvel at this too. We talked about it on the way up here. God said them, told them, he said, the land is big. Bigger than you are now. So he said, I'm going to drive them out a little at a time. Because if I drive it out all, all, out all at once, the wild beasts will take over and you won't be able to uh, inhabit it. Isn't that amazing what God does? Now, <clears throat> I don't think that means that God justifies sin. Just keep a little sin there. I'm not going to take it all out at once. What I think it means is that if we will let God do what He wants to do, He'll take us. He'll cleanse our lives. We just simply give our lives to Him. We trust in Him. <clears throat> I said already, and I'll say it again. Thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm glad to be able to come. And I do pray for you all. And we uh, will continue to. May the grace of the Lord Jesus...